Good morning. It's good to see you today. Please stand. We're going to read God's word together. Today is Kingdom Builders Sunday, Kingdom Builders Sunday 2023. Um, this is a, a favorite Sunday of mine. I um, want you to know a couple of things this morning. You are so loved. You are the object of God's love. I'm so thankful you're with us today, whether you're visiting, if you're watching online, we celebrate you. We're so thankful that you're with us. Not only are you the object of God's love, but you are created to be an agent of God's love and to be used by him. We believe you have monumental purpose, massive purpose that goes beyond your own abilities, that goes beyond your own design. It goes beyond what you can ask or imagine. And that's why we have a Sunday like this, Kingdom Builders Sunday. You may have never heard that phrase before, Kingdom Builders. You may have heard it a thousand times at Trinity, um, but we're going to get into it today and break it down a little bit. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. This is a familiar passage. I actually shared on this passage right before Easter last year, about a year ago, and um, we're coming back to it this morning. Uh, This is the week uh, of Jesus' suffering and death. We call it the Passion Week. This is about a week before he gives his life for us. I'll read, and then where you see the bold text, please read aloud with me. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Let's read. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Let's read. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let's pray. Lord, anoint your word to our hearts today. Let us be good soil. Let us be soil that receives the seed, seed receivers today, so that we can be seed bearers in your world, scattering the truth and the love and the power uh, of your kingdom, the power of redemption everywhere we go. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This is a culture-setting moment in the kingdom of God, this story that we read. Um, It's definitely something that speaks and convicts our hearts. Jesus shows us who the kingdom's all about, what gets celebrated in the kingdom of God, what posters are hanging on the walls of the kingdom. It's the posters of heroes. And who are the heroes in the kingdom? Great givers. Jesus celebrates great givers. There is a core value in the kingdom of giving. Great givers are misunderstood. uh, Mary teaches us in this story how to be a great giver. Her gift was costly, her gift was criticized, and then her gift was commended ultimately by Christ. Jesus got it. He understood what she was doing when no one else did, when everybody thought it was extra, extravagant. It was too much. It was not appropriate for the setting. It was not appropriate for the social event that was happening around her. It didn't fit the context. It didn't fit the culture of this dinner, of this house. Jesus understood what she did. Think about it. Jesus was about to give a ridiculous sacrifice of love for all mankind. Jesus was about to wash the feet of the world Jesus was about to anoint us with his spirit. And so when Mary comes and gives this extravagant gift, it touched him profoundly because what she was doing is what he was about to do for the whole world, for all the universe, for all time, all creation. You know, Mary understood giving. She gave out of her love. She gave out of her love. She saw an opportunity to bless the one she loved an opportunity to worship, to do what her purpose was, to do what she was made for, made to worship. 
And when that opportunity came, she recognized it. Jesus kind of highlights this. He says, you know, you'll always feel the needs, but you won't always recognize the opportunities around you. You'll always have the needs, you always see the needs, you always feel the needs, but you won't always recognize the opportunities that are right in front of you. Mary had a heart posture that was connected to her purpose to worship and she recognized the opportunity that she had. Strike while the iron's hot. She saw an opportunity to invest, invest, invest. She had saved and purchased this nard, this perfume. This was uh, almost like a bond. This was almost like a savings program for her. People would invest in precious things. Um, they didn't have all the, uh, the financial systems we do today and uh, 403Bs and IRAs. And they, they, she didn't have the 401K, but they would invest in special things of great value that then they could cash in over time. And, and sometimes they would save things like precious nard perfume. And um, then they could exchange that, sell it, and use the money when they needed to. And as she had saved for this thing, and she saw the opportunity to invest what she had saved. She wasn't living with the attitude that if I give this, then there will be nothing left for me. She was living with the attitude that if I give this, nothing will be lost. I'll use everything God has given me in my life. You know, when we say invest, 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 when we recognize eternal opportunities like kingdom builders do, the world says waste, waste, waste. Remember, um, to people outside the father's house, we are the prodigal sons. To people outside of the father's table, we are the prodigal or wasteful. The word prodigal means wasteful. We are the wasteful children. They see that as frivolous spending on a bad investment. And um, they look at investing your time in the Lord as like investing in Enron or Blockbuster or Toys R Us or Borders. It's a bad investment. You're not going to get a return on that investment, they think, because they don't understand. Don't understand. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. So, so what is careful and purposeful for Mary in this moment looks reckless and careless. Careful and purposeful, but it looks reckless and careless to those that don't understand her love, to those that don't understand her purpose made to worship. John 12, 25 tells us that those who love their life in this world will actually lose it but those who care nothing for their life in the world will keep it for eternity. Mary had a purpose-driven life. She was made to worship. She didn't have a need-driven life. She had a purpose-driven life. Um, And I wanna talk about that in just a moment. Mary realized this is my opportunity. Uh, You're here in the room today because you recognize your purpose and your opportunity. Not just the needs in your life, but you recognize your purpose and your opportunity. You were made to worship. You could be home today. Someone's garden needs weeded. Someone's body needed another hour of sleep today. Someone in this room has something broken in their house that needs fixed. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. But yet you're here. You've gathered in God's house to glorify him and honor him and be edified by his word and be transformed by his presence because you're living a life that is purpose-driven. It's purpose-driven. It's not driven by every need that you have, it's driven by your purpose. Um, I, I wanna give you a couple of thoughts today. The first one is that purpose keeps us from disordered giving. Purpose keeps us from disordered giving. Second Corinthians 9, 7 breaks it down. It says this, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a popular verse. We teach it to kids. God loves a cheerful giver. This is a a well-known, but not, I wouldn't say, very well-understood verse necessarily in the kingdom of God. I think I used to hear this verse, you know, give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly, uh, not out of necessity. And I think I always thought, you know, this just meant budget, budget. 
Give God what you've budgeted to give him, what you've pre-decided and chosen to give to the Lord. Don't walk into a room and get moved emotionally and then empty your bank account towards a need, but, but budget, give what you've decided in your heart to give. Um, don't let any emotional appeal uh, uh, just take over your rational and reasoning, your, your reasonable thinking. Um, and you know, that isn't totally off. There is definitely an element of that in this spiritual principle. But what Paul is saying here is that you should purpose in your heart based on the purpose of your heart. He says that it, what he's trying to communicate is that you actually have uh, been created and designed for a purpose. And he gives us this verb, purpose, in your heart. And what it means is, it's this word I love, pro-ireo, pro before, it's just a preposition that means before, and then ireo, which means choice. So he says, prioritize your heart. Hmm. Use preference in your heart. There's a lot of things that the world would say you're created for. There's a lot of opportunities you have in your life, but not all those opportunities are your purpose. So purpose your heart. Know what your life is for. Know what your heart is for. Purpose your heart. Direct your heart. Designate your heart. He wants us to purpose in our heart, and then out of that purpose, bring our gifts. Out of that purpose, bring our gifts. Um, hopefully, you understand your purpose is that you were made to worship God. You were made to give him your love, to give him your heart. I hope you understand that today. And when we approach giving, uh, I, I hope you connect it to your worship, that you love God. Well, I only give because God said to give, and I'm just being obedient. Well, I hope you obey God, not out of fear, not out of judgment, I hope you obey God because you love him. We want to give directed by our purpose, that we have prioritized our heart and directed our life based on what our life was made for, which is to worship him. Um, now, first, I purpose to give my life to God. Then I purpose how I'm going to give my life to God, what I'm going to give and designate to the Lord. And we need to uh, give out of purpose and not give grudgingly or out of necessity. I just want to talk about that for a second. The word grudgingly is lupe in the Greek uh, that this was written in, and that just means guilt, the pain of grief. I think some of us can relate to this. Maybe, uh, maybe you've done this with your children. You feel bad because maybe you didn't get to spend time with your kids one week. You neglected to give them quality time. You neglected to give them words of affirmation or acts of service. Maybe you gave them the opposite of words of affirmation. And you, uh, you, you hurt your children and you feel bad and you want to buy them something. You want to give them a gift and it's out of guilt. Um, it's giving grudgingly. And, and you know, there is pain involved in our giving, but pain does not direct our giving. Pain does not direct our giving. Purpose directs our giving. There's pain involved. Um, I, I'm there. I, I might swing through five below. I might say yes to something in the checkout, that little candy line to my kids based on how we're doing that day. I get that. I get that. There's pain sometimes involved, um, but it's not why we give. So don't give grudgingly. Don't give because of or out of guilt. And also, don't give because of or out of necessity. Now, this is something we get confused all the, all the time. We think that we give just because there's a need. I'm going to be a giver because there is brokenness and there's need, and someone needs what I have to give. Now, we were created to give out of purpose and let our purpose, because we want to love and worship God, direct our giving. Because I love God, I have to give him something. Because I want to honor God, something comes out of me and goes to him. The Holy Spirit stirs up gifts in me to give to him. 
I, I pray that that is how you're leading your life, that if we uh, threw away the offering plates and shut down our online giving portal, I pray that there would be an uprising and a revolt in this room because there's not an opportunity for you to give back to God and bless him with the grace and the, the resources and the gifts he's given you. We don't give just because there's a need. We give to a need. We give because we love God. We give because we were made to honor him and worship him and glorify him and lift him up with what he's given us. We give two needs, but we give because we love him, because we worship him. That word uh, necessity, it's the word ananke, and I, I talked about this last year, but it means to bend one's arm, and it's just like a wrestling term or how you submit someone with a pressure point hold behind their back, and, and it basically is saying, don't give out of manipulation. Don't let an urgent, pressing, immediate, emotion-driven uh, need manipulate you into a response. We give two things that touch our emotions. We have emotion-involved giving, but we don't have emotion-directed giving. Our emotions aren't in the driver's seat of our worship. There's emotions involved, but we don't give because of our emotions. It's, um, you know, when we give two needs, needs are the what. They're not the why. They're not the why. Um, and, and that maybe unlocked something for you if you've been uh, a giver um, because of necessity. It's not that you won't give, but you really have to be moved and you really have to be touched to respond to a need. That is, um, that's misordered and disordered giving when it comes to your Christian life of faith. Life of faith is a life of giving. A life of worship and love is a life of giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's part of love. It's part of our love to God. So uh, just to, to help us today, I want to put this um, up in front of you. And if you're taking notes, maybe write this little diagram down. Um, this is uh, why we give, um, how we give, and to what we give. So purposeful giving has an impetus. and It has a catalyst. And that is that we are filled with awe of God. That we are filled with love for God. And we overflow with worship because just like Lindsay said during worship today, he deserves it, he's worthy, and he's due every expression of glory we can give unto him. The impetus is our love. And, and you might think of Acts chapter 2 here. Acts chapter 2, we read about the early church. Um, this is kind of our uh, programmatic diagram of what the church should be, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And, and it says that they would sell property and give to anyone as they have a need. And if you just read that scripture, there's some Christian socialism thoughts out there about, there's some whole like utopian society thoughts about that scripture. But if you look at the context and you zoom out a little bit, that's not why they gave. Why they gave, it starts off, it says, they were filled with awe. They were filled with awe of God through the apostles' miracles and the demonstration, the presence of God among them, they were filled with awe, and out of that awe, they did a whole bunch of things. And one of the things they did was they gave. They gave two needs. They didn't give because of needs. They gave because of their worship. Okay, you get it. I've said it a hundred times. Let's move on. The mechanism is the church. There's other mechanisms out there, but understand this. You can give to a lot of humanitarian things. You can support a lot of uh, needs around you. You get them, I get them. Someone knocked on my door yesterday with a need that was going on. I had someone last week in a parking lot in Towson pull up next to me and say, hey, can you cash at me? I have a need, I have a bill. There's needs all around us. But I want you to understand, the only, the only uh, mechanism of your giving that brings you an eternal return on your investment is the church, is the kingdom of God that advances the gospel in the world. Understand this, we could give, designate all, all resources, all nonprofit humanitarian aid, we could just kind of press pause on everything and put it all towards curing a disease, a disease in the world. Let's, let's go for a big one. Let's say we're gonna cure heart disease in the world. We stop everything, we stop supporting everything. 
We're not adopting animals anymore. We're not, uh, we're not doing this. We're not, doing, we're not planting any more trees. We're just going to focus on heart disease. And we could solve it. We could totally solve it. All heart disease is cured and wiped off the face of the earth. That did not necessarily add one soul to the kingdom of God. Not necessarily. Now, maybe God could use that. But, but understand, there's so many things we can give to. The mechanism that God has given us for getting an eternal return on our investment is through the local church. And, um, and I'm so thankful for that. There's a lot of important needs. You can buy those Girl Scout cookies. You can support that football team fundraiser. You can, you know, X, Y, and Z. But when I think about my purpose in the limited resources I have, in the limited uh, financial stewardship that God has given me, I want to make sure that the bulk, the majority, that as much as I can do, I'm putting towards something that's going to bring an eternal return on investment. And so the mechanism, understand you're not giving, it's not the outcome, you're not giving to the church we're giving through the church. And I thank everybody in here. We had a great year of Kingdom Builders in 2022. Thank you for giving through Trinity to the needs that we're reaching outside the four walls. I need to uh, continue here. Outcome. So the outcome is that we are satisfying eternal needs. And we'll do that through the temporal. We'll do that through the physical. We'll do that through the immediate felt needs around us. But only when we attach the love of God, the clear communication of the fullest expression of the love of God, which is the death and resurrection of his son for people's sins. The opportunity of not just a better moment or a better life circumstance, uh, a better quality of living, but life itself is available to people through Jesus Christ. And so just to understand in order our hearts to have purposeful giving, we're not giving out of guilt, we're not giving out of uh, uh, just because there's needs around us, we're giving out of love to God. Now with that, God will bless it and anoint it because it's his giving program. We've aligned our hearts with his will and he will use it through his church and he will meet outcomes beyond what we could ask or imagine. He will multiply what we can't even add. We, we can't even bring addition to what God can bring exponential multiplication to. And so when we give his way, we see his blessings. Um, and the, the second thought I wanna bring you today is this. Um, you know, purpose keeps us from disordered giving, and that's good, but cynicism keeps us from cheerful giving, and that's bad. Cynicism uh, is rampant in our society. I find the Lord convicting my heart about cynicism constantly. Um, and, and I think that's a natural reaction. We want to guard our hearts because we've seen people use resources for dishonest gain. We've seen organizations and institutions end up in the news and end up in lawsuits because there's fraud and there's not accountability and there's not integrity and there's not honesty. And it, if you're like me, it puts up an extra layer of how I guard my heart when I go to invest my finances. And, and, and that's not bad. That brings discernment. But what the enemy can do is he can try to take that good discernment and twist it into an evil, sinful version of cynicism. Cynical thinking and critical thinking are two different things. Critical thinking is not bad. Critical thinking takes data and observation and and analytically asks why, how, what, can we do this better, can we improve this? Um, and, And that's the goal of critical thinking. That's healthy critical thinking. Cynical thinking is an attitude of disbelief. It's, a, it's ignorant of data. It has nothing to do with data. But it pre-says no before they even hear what the request is. It says no before they've even looked at the opportunity. It's an, a, a heart posture and an attitude of disbelief that believes the worst about people, that believes the worst about initiatives. I've seen a lot of cynicism the last couple of weeks about a couple things about revival happening in college campuses and happening among young people. Um, Man, that's heartbreaking. To pray and pray and pray for people to have an awakening to who God is. And I mean like a, a felt, disruptive, noisy awakening across our country that people can't ignore. And people in the church 
approach it with a heart that before they would even consider the genuineness already calls it inauthentic and tries to squash it, that's, that's upsetting. And, and I, I saw a little bit of it and I heard a, a great interview with Russell Moore of Christianity Today last week talking about the he gets us ads during the Super Bowl. Anybody see uh, this campaign that's gone beyond the Super Bowl, but uh, commercials and, and social media advertisements that just introduce the idea of who Jesus is to a younger demographic, to skeptical people, and to very secular people that do not pause and consider God throughout their day. And um, in some of the criticisms that have come about that campaign as well, Number one, they've spent over $100 million to get that thought in people's minds. How many churches could have been planted with that money? How many compassion needs could have been met? How else could have that been invested? And, and another criticism has just been, man, this isn't a total theological package. This isn't a, a full presentation of the full gospel. It's just an introduction, uh, a knock, a disruptive knock on the door of people's hearts to think about. Jesus, that he might actually be relevant to their lives. And, um, and I got to be honest with you, those are the thoughts I had when I saw the commercial the first time. I saw it and I just thought, Super Bowl, every second's like seven million dollars. Super Bowl ad? What, we could have done so much. We could have invested. And my mind's just thinking and criticizing. Just because... Someone in the kingdom of God is expressing an extravagant act of worship to fill the world with the fragrance of who Jesus is. Just because someone is doing something different than you would, or maybe with a different strategy than you would, doesn't make it morally wrong. Don't demonize it. And I, I heard this interview. I heard this interview uh, with Russell Moore and he, he was talking about that very moment. And he said, I saw that commercial and I immediately thought of John chapter 12. And I thought, Judas's objection makes sense. He's, oh, we could have sold that perfume. We could have given it to the poor. We could have done this. We could have done that. We could have done this. I thought the same thing. And I think it's important for us to guard our hearts and discern our hearts and, and sift our hearts so that cynicism doesn't take root, so that cynicism doesn't become an excuse we're walking around with for our, uh, a reason to say no, to say no, to say no, and not to have faith, not to let God prick our hearts and use us and guide us into usefulness and guide us into investment because God has created us to give it him extravagant love, to give him extravagant love worship. And if we walk around with cynicism, we're going to miss our moment. We're going to not see the opportunity. We're always going to believe the worst when we should be believing the best. Um, and I think I want to just take an opportunity now to go a little bit different direction and move a little bit away from plans here because we want to talk about kingdom builders and kind of give you a presentation this morning of the strategic part of the giving, which isn't why we give, but it's how we give. And we want to talk to you about that today. But I just feel like there's some people in the place this morning and you're waiting for God to make sense. He's calling you into obedience and he's leading you into worship and, and you're just, you're just saying, God, I, you need to make sense. Make it make sense, God. Make it make sense. And I think that you're bringing God the wrong requirement. God is not telling you to make sense with every choice you make, how you steward your finances. He is calling you to make a joyful noise before him. He's calling you to make disciples in this world. He's calling you to do some things that when the world looks at it, it's going to be careless and it's going to be reckless. But when you give it to God, it, it becomes careful. It becomes considered. And, and maybe it won't make sense in the temporal and the physical and in earthly definitions. It won't make sense. But if you just say, God, sift all the unbelief and the disbelief of cynicism out of my heart so that I can give you my best yes, 
so that I can give you my unreserved worship, so that I can give you extravagant sacrifice. Because I, I think each of us want to do that. We want to say, okay, God, above my tithes this year, I think, God, stretch me. I want to give $25 every month, or I want to give 50, or God, I want to give X. And, and God, I want you to double that for 2024 and quadruple that for 2025. And I want you to grow that ability in me. I, I think a lot of us have that heart, but before we get to the math of it, we need to address our belief. We need to address our hearts. And if we just get to the why we're giving and why we're believing, then we're gonna fix how we're doing it and and the needs we're giving to. We can worry about that later, but but God, fix our why. Um, The opposite of cynicism is cheerfulness. It's faith, it's an attitude of belief. I don't wanna ask any of you today to be an optimist. That's not what this sermon is about. Oh, pessimists, you need to be an optimist. No, that's not what this sermon's about. And you might even be somebody in the room kind of like me. It's like, I'm not optimist, pessimist. I just want to be a realist. I want to be pragmatic in, in what I consider and how I, uh, how I use my resources. And that is not wrong, but what I'd like to call you to today is to be a realist, be a pragmatist through the lens of heaven. If I could put one term on it, not pessimist, optimist, realist, it's to be an eternalist. If you could just be an eternalist and say, God, realistically, this is my circumstance. This is my situation. This is what you've given me. But Lord, when I look at the big picture and I see what you're gonna do and I see how you've purposed me and what you're calling me into, Lord, help me use this with faith. Help me use this in worship. Be an eternalist. Would you stand? We're going to pray this morning and then uh, move into a presentation. I want you to hear about uh, some things God's put on our heart this year to do as a church body. But Lord, right now, I I just lift up every heart in the room. I know uh, for a few weeks now, God, we've spoken to this heart issue of our finances, Lord, of our, our lordship. Uh, of our stewardship, of our faithfulness. And, and God, I just pray that you would continue to bring joy and freedom and a release, Lord, for those living in anxiety, for those that come for counseling and that number one issue of the marriage is finances, Lord. God, I pray that you would align everyone and direct everyone according to the principles of your word that bring us into freedom, that we could live free before we're debt free. And we could honor you uh, without anxiety when it comes to the area of finances. Lord, continue to be our, um, uh, our provider, Lord, that brings blessing into our lives, but also brings us through painful sacrifice and obedience, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna do in each heart as we think about what we wanna do for Kingdom Builders this year. I just pray, God, a bold prayer and a bold request right now, hopefully with the whole room in agreement, God, that you would challenge us beyond what we're comfortable with. Lord, that we could please you, not out of what we have, but please you out of what we have and our faith, God, our faith. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, I'm so thankful for every kingdom builder in the room, every person that's walking in faith. And, and as we celebrate that and transition this moment, I want you to watch a little bit, a little video of some things that we were able to do through Kingdom Builders 2022. You may be seated.
Well, before we jump into this, uh, Mike Smith, our tech guy, deserves a big sh a shout out. I think he was able to switch the system from heat to air conditioning. Anybody feeling a little cooler? <laughs> that kind of warm it here today. Thank you, Mike. Kingdom Builder. If you uh, walked in this morning and you were handed one of these, I want you to go ahead and take out your phone and access this QR code on the front. If you didn't get one and you'd like one, could you just let, raise a hand and our ushers will help you uh, right now and deliver one right to your seat. This um, QR code, if you don't know how to use one of these, uh, maybe your neighbor or someone sitting young, next to you, a young person could just help you real quick um, and get there. Too, yeah. It's also up on the screens. Um, and if you're just, hey, you don't have a phone that can access this digital project guide, that's okay. We're going to walk through a lot of it um, on the, the main screen before you. So, um, so as you pull that up, our 2023 project guide kind of begins with uh, uh, what a Kingdom Builder is, what Kingdom Builders does. It is what we give beyond our tithes, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, um, it, to impact the world for Jesus Christ. The, um, the beginning of the project guide has a letter from myself and Pastor George. It also uh, casts some vision. We've been talking over this month about the theme, Right Now Counts Forever and how we can maximize our kingdom impact in this moment that God's given us, um, it counts because we're going to have to give an account of it before the Lord. And we're asking God to do wonderful things this year. As you move on to page four, you'll see a, a section that says levels of giving. Pastor George, walk us through those levels of giving. Okay. And then uh, thinking maybe you've, uh, your church background, you've heard missions or you've heard uh, uh, giving outside of the church and through the church in different terms. In uh, 2017, we switched over to the thinking of uh, kingdom builders. Let me describe it for you real quickly. It's, a, it's kind of like a mutual fund of giving through the church. So everything that goes to kingdom builders goes outside of these walls and to meet needs here in Baltimore and around the world. And so we invite you to participate. And as you think about the giving levels, you know, if you're looking on your screen, there's tithing, there's above, and then there's a beyond. Now, I know in the room we have a lot of football fans. How many football fans are here? Mm. How many football fans Amen. are here? That's what I thought you meant. Uh, football and football, uh, soccer. And then how many baseball fans are here? How many think the Orioles are going to do it this year? Okay. There's a lot of cynicism. cynicism you talked yeah. about cynicism, yeah. and there's a lot of that in the room. <laughs> But uh, the baseball metaphor that I've, uh, you've heard me use over the years is first base is tithing, and you've got to, you know, if you're going to get a double, you've got you to touch first base first. If you're not familiar with baseball, you've got to run down and tag that bag. It's going to be a little bit larger this year, I understand. They're changing some of the, uh, the dynamics of baseball. But you've got to do that first. So tithing is that 10%. You make $500 a week, you give 50. You make 1,000, you give 100. Then above, that's second base. Above is, well, I've got some extra money. I... Um, can give to help feed some kids through Convoy of Hope or whatever, I can give above and really is not going to change. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to make the purchases that I've been thinking about. But that's second base is kind of discretionary giving. And then third base is sacrificial giving. Third base says I'm going to put off that purchase. Third base says I'm not going to take that trip. There's something that's going to change in my lifestyle by my giving. And when you, uh, as you Go through life and the, the dynamics of being able to give. You know, you, you had the woman with a, who mentioned very briefly last week with her last mic mm -hmm. giving. She was a third base giver. Yeah. Once you touch third, then God brings you home. That's, yeah, it's a, that's a home run. That's the only way you can get uh, around all the bases. And so was, uh, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, if you've come in and you're not tithing yet, maybe you're not there, you've just become maybe a newer Christian, just encourage you to begin working through tithing. You're not going to get credit for second base or third base until you touch first base. So everybody uh, needs to do that. So those are the three levels of giving that uh, we'd like to talk about here at Trinity. And when we think about our Kingdom Builder strategy, um, we kind of break it down into three areas, global, local, and future. In years past, you've heard the terminology, our world, our city, and our future, and we've just kind of tweaked that. Basically, um, you know, when I think about the world, Christ has called us to take the gospel, not just 
uh, close to home, but to the extremities of the earth as far as it can go and until there is no people group that is unreached, that has not heard a clear presentation of the gospel. When I think about our global giving, we're supporting movements in in, um, countries around the world, no matter what the majority belief system is in that country, but with a kind of a special bend and an emphasis towards areas of the world where there is, there is not a church on every corner. There's not clear presentations of the gospel given. Maybe the, the, uh, the religious diversity factor, maybe Christianity is under 2 or 3% in a country. And we want to help establish the church and make Jesus known where he has not been preached. Uh, Paul said that was his ambition, and that's our ambition today. Now, not just in global support, but locally, there's a lot of organizations that do specialized things that God has not called us at Trinity to do. At Trinity, we do not have an inpatient recovery home for drug or alcohol addiction. We don't have um, uh, uh, systematic programs to uh, provide 24-7 care for vulnerable children. We don't have all of, of these specialized focused things, but there are ministries in our city that are accomplishing these gospel tasks. And so we are uh, aligning ourselves with them to support. And then also our future. We know that we need to make investments now to, uh, to plant seeds now and water them now to see the harvest that God wants to bring in the future. We need to raise up workers and laborers to work that harvest. And so you'll see in future how we're investing um, into the next generation. So if you continue to go through the project guide with us where it says global, you'll see some of those global initiatives that we're supporting. We couldn't, we didn't have room. Um, It would be megabytes and megabytes to list every missionary and global worker that we're supporting. But uh, Pastor George and I were just reviewing. Um, We are supporting 99 ministries and missionaries on a monthly basis through Trinity. Uh, 99, just shy of 100, but uh, 99. And we think that's wonderful. You don't hear about those every week. You don't hear about those every month at Trinity, but your faithful giving is supporting and making that possible. Um, Also, here on our global list, um, you'll see that we're supporting ministries like Light for the Lost. Uh, Pastor George, you love Light for the Lost. I know this. Um, And they are just doing such a great work around the world to put God's word in people's hands. You'll see other global um, uh, things we're investing to right now around the world. And... um, Some of these needs around the world respond to the worst moments in people's lives in some of the the darkest seasons of people's lives, like Convoy of Hope. We've been talking a little bit about what's happened in Syria and in Turkey um, with the uh, earthquakes that have just caused so much devastation. Convoy of Hope was just immediately ready to go and respond because of faithful giving through kingdom builders. Um, Pastor George, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I would just say they're in Ukraine, you know, around the world, Convoy of Hope. And uh, so, some of the other things you know, that you see there that are listed, we do these uh, 99 right now monthly, and then we do other uh, ministries uh, at various times through the year. You know, a century ago, missionaries uh, would, t- would take their earthly belongings, some of them put them in coffins, and go mm-hmm. to the uttermost parts and planning on never returning. Fifty years ago, half a century ago, growing up in a pastor's home, I remember missionaries coming through, and it was kind of like National Geographic showing up in church. You got to see things that, you know, you didn't have access to any other ways. We live in this so, such a unique situation where we can fly around the world, or we can video chat with uh, people, uh, missionaries all around the world, and Jesus said that he's going to come back when the whole earth has heard about him, and I'm so thankful we get to be a part of that be a part of sending and be a part of uh, uh, supporting people who are taking the message of Jesus Christ around the world. With these modern conveniences, we live in a generation where it's actually possible to accomplish the Great Commission. We could do it in our lifetime. And it's just such a, a reality that we need to understand and appreciate and see that right now counts forever. It's a moment to invest in. Um, I wanted to take a moment today and highlight a new partner uh, that we're going to work with in 2023 uh, that you haven't heard about yet. So I want to invite you to turn your attention to the screens and watch this video. Burkina Faso has more than 18 million people. And out of the 18 million people, more than 80% are involved in agriculture. Known as a poor country, even by West African standard. One of the impacts that we're really 
doing that I'm so excited about. Um, it is hard to choose one, but this idea of being able to empower people and enrich them to advance in what they're doing. They are hardworking people, so we only come alongside to be like, guys, we can give you what you really need to reach that level of sustainability and be able to send your kids to school and be able to feed your families and be able to spend more time with your family because you don't have to walk very, very far to go get water. Tibo is in Mori, my language, the language of my people in Burkina Faso, and it means hope. It's really this idea of how we can provide hope to millions of people in Burkina Faso. Well, a new family joined Trinity in 2022, and we've begun a relationship uh, where we're worshiping God and fellowshipping together, but also we've begun to talk about um, an organization that they lead. And I want to introduce you this morning to Pig to Windy Sam, P-Sam. How you doing, P-Sam? I'm good, I'm good. good. It's good to see you. Uh, P-Sam, you're here. Your wife, Wendy, is right in the second section here. And uh, tell, right. tell me, when, uh, how did you join Trinity? When did you um, discover Trinity? Yeah, the first time that Wendy and I showed up at Trinity was during Michael Jr., comedy show tour, and I believe it was back in 2017. We showed up, sat up there, and a few years later, graduated, moved to Philly, remained a, Raven, a Ravens fan, as I must mention, although Amen. the Eagles made it to the World Cup. Uh, then, uh, as we were thinking about moving back to Baltimore, heard about Trinity, as we family visited, then attended Grove Track back in November, as we were still in Philly, then moved from Philly to Baltimore, and I've been coming to Trinity ever since. Wonderful. It was such a pleasure to get to know you guys more during right. Growth Track and see you become members here. Um, and, and we're excited because you are expecting your first baby this summer. And um, yes, we're we are. so thrilled about that. Super excited about that. Another one for the nursery. Um, okay. That's right. One yeah. up. <laughs> so I just assume everyone's pregnant in Trinity right now, and then I find out whether they are not. But that's, that's where we're at. Keep okay. growing. Keep growing. Um, yes. So uh, I want to ask you, we're going to talk a little more about Tebow, this organization. It's not... Tim Tebow, it's not even spelled the same way. No, it is not. But, but we get that a lot. Yeah, we right. So T-E-E-B-O. And you said in the video, in More, the local language in Burkina Faso, it means hope. That's right. So what led you to start this organization? Yeah, to, to get the story short, actually, it started back on Christmas 2005. Growing up in Burkina Faso on that day, instead of getting present, what my dad did, who is a local Assembly of God pastor now, he gave me two envelopes. In each envelope, there was about less than $10 to go give to two different families. The first one was a family widow with seven orphans. And the second family was a really poor family. As I went in and came out, they were so filled with joy. And I was really touched about how much right, a small act of generosity for God's glory can make a huge impact. Fast forward, as a youth leader, uh, rallied some of my youth folks invested in Burkina Faso, moved to the United States in 2008 in San Francisco, continued to invest by God's grace, then went back to Burkina Faso in 2011. Uh, really saw how they were really faithful in using the small amount of money that I was supporting. And the Lord really stirred up my heart, mm. talking about finding your purpose, really stirred up my heart to continue to give hope to the full country. This is a Muslim dominant country in West Africa, Burkina Faso. And we have been able to be intentional uh, to become a U.S.-based 513 back in 2012, intentional in trying to make sure that the country of Burkina Faso come to know Christ. Amen. And, uh, and in a country where the majority belief system is not Christianity, but there is religious freedom, there's so much opportunity to make Jesus known. And I want to talk about how you're doing that. So, um, so we saw in the video that you're meeting the need, uh, one need of clean water, but that's just one of about five prongs of Tebow. So in addition to digging water wells in each community, each village that you partner with, what other uh, things is Tebow doing in those villages? Yes, we're really intentional. We believe in feeding the mind the body, and the spirit. And to start with the spirit, really being a faith-based ministry, it is sharing the gospel, going around the world, partnering with churches in rural Burkina Faso. Uh, when we mentioned about the mind, in Burkina Faso, we're required, sixth graders are required to take the national exam. 
pass that exam before we can go to seventh grade. And what we've been able to do is to develop an education program called Exam Prep Program. Mm. Go in, partner with sixth graders who are around 30% of success rate. And by God's grace, what we have seen through our program is that they go from 30% to 98%. Amen. All for God's glory. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. And the third layer that I mentioned is the body. And what you saw here for water is one of the aspects for the body. The second part is agriculture uh, under the body. We just go alongside farmers to equip them with plows, fertilizer, so that they can farm more lands and increase productivity. Again, what we have seen working with more than 1,300 farmers is that they are able to, one, double the size of the land that we grow farms. Mm. But at, for productivity, what we're doing here is actually increasing up to seven times. Wow. So you're talking about a family of four farming to like one acres, then going to two acres with a fertilizer increase. The third program also under the body that I'm really excited about is Growing Hope. And Growing Hope, it is really focused on women. Uh, orphans, widows, going alongside them, partnering them to provide clean water at the same time water for gardening by teaching them how to garden and then produce. That's awesome. And so you have all these prongs of a program. And when, let's say, I, um, I've grown up in a tradition outside of Christianity, I haven't even had a clear presentation of the gospel. And uh, maybe I'm a devout Muslim, maybe my beliefs are traditional mixed in with syncretization of all kinds of beliefs in the culture, which is common in Burkina Faso. And a pastor and a local church that you partner with begins this partnership program, and all of a sudden, I'm given oxen to pl and a plow to plow my field and fertilizer. Right. I'm given uh, an opportunity for my wife to make money and be empowered and learn a trade. My child, who wasn't being educated and couldn't pass that sixth grade exam to have more education, all of a sudden is being given schooling That's and right. given hope in a future. All these things are being done for my, f I have clean water now um, that's available to me right at my doorstep. All these things are happening to me. Doesn't that give that person a platform to share the gospel with me? It Wouldn't really I want to listen right? exactly. to you? It, it surely does. And we actually even go in, uh, as we partner with Villages, it is five years program that we go in really committed intentionally but building relationship using a holistic approach that is really sustainable at the end of yeah. the day it is being able to be light and salt Amen. in their lives in displaying these acts of love so it all goes through the local church you start with a local church partner you start with evangelism outreach events at the local That's church right. and then all the programs go through the local church how many villages have you taken through the Tebow program that changes the village forever? How many villages have you done yeah, so far? Since 2012, by God's grace, we have covered three villages. The first one started with a village called Gumsi, seeing really tremendous impact and response from that. That took us to the second village called Gwenga. That's what you saw mm -hmm. the video here for the water project. Really amazing, right? Seeing Muslim leaders all under one umbrella coming to the church, as you mentioned, really being open to the mm -hmm. gospel. And the third village that we recently started working with is Gitsi. Yeah. And so three villages, and we've been talking, and in 2023, share the joy, the end of this year, when we do a focus time of giving, we're talking about having a fourth village happen through Tebow, where Trinity adopts yeah. them, and the future of that village has changed forever through Amen. Trinity. Wonderful. Um, well, I wanted to give you something today, PCM, as you lead this organization, and this is just a, uh, a gift to you and uh, um, a recognition as you lead this organization because you are bringing the light of Jesus into Amen. a very sunny yeah. Uh, a very sunny country that gets a lot of sunlight. Sun and huts. But you're bringing the light of Jesus into a dark place where people need to know the hope of the world. So this is for you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you, brother. Thank you so much. Cool. And actually, I just want to take a moment and pray for you. Yeah. Would you extend a hand, and we're going to pray over the endeavors that are happening in Burkina Faso. Jesus, we thank you, God, for the ability to partner. We thank you, uh, Lord, for bringing the Sam family to Trinity, Lord, and, and connecting them with us. God, we pray that you would do beautiful, miraculous things to transform physically, but God, to transform a group of people, a community spiritually, where the kingdom of God would take such root this year through Tebow in Burkina Faso. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thank, Thank you, brother. Well, now, um, local. Time, let's just jump right into bringing somebody up local, Daniel Stoltzfus.
Daniel uh, came to Trinity just in the last two or three years. He was one of the good things that came out of COVID. His family <laughs> began attending Trinity. And he has been the, the chief operating officer up until about a month ago at uh, Helping Up Mission here in Baltimore. I'm, I'm sure if you're from Baltimore, you've heard about Helping Up Mission. It has been just a fantastic ministry for decades uh, here in Baltimore. And in January, uh, Anthony and I had the privilege of being at the installation where Daniel is now the new CEO of Helping Up Mission. Uh, his predecessor uh, uh, is still involved some, but like the transition here, uh, has stepped aside. And so the, uh, Dan has been leading. Would, would you tell folks just a little bit about uh, your, your family? I see Angela's back there. She's waving. My wife, <laughs> my wife Angela's here. We have, uh, have four kids, three girls that are out of the house and a son, Noah, who's with us and uh, we got into this kind of work because uh, Angela and I met in Youth of the Mission, had some experiences on the streets in New York, um, discovered Isaiah 58 and in the, in the promises and the challenge to worship God by serving those in need and uh, it just really changed the trajectory of our lives and that's what brought us here to, to Baltimore after serving in Norfolk, Virginia, New York City and Tucson, Arizona. We ended up here in Baltimore in 2018. And helping up mission, how many people is it reaching on an annual basis? Or give us an idea. Yeah, so on a, right now we have, uh, we have two campuses, one for men and one for women. And we're, we're serving on average a little over 500 between those two campuses every night. Folks that are in addiction recovery. <laughs> homeless that are being sheltered. But, but we're really focused towards long-term life transformation of those in need. And so I have the privilege of working with that team to... See that happen every day through God's, God's direction. And quite obviously, Baltimore needs helping up mission and needs a, a spiritual transformation. Right. That's not going to come through politics or anything else except people sharing Jesus Christ and giving them that kind of hope. That's right. But we, we believe the city that is known in a lot of ways for, for the opioid epidemic, for, for heroin, for, you know, the wire, all those things, that it ought to be a place that's also known for recovery. And for transformation, and we see that on a, on a daily basis happening in the lives of men and women who are coming with 20, 30 years of average of addiction and uh, seeing their life transformed by the power of Christ. So, Dan, uh, as our congregation is praying, how can they pray for you and helping up mission? We're in a season here where we've opened a brand new uh, center for women, and uh, we're going to start serving. In fact, just, just now, we've had some uh, in the last week some women moving into our center who are pregnant. And so we're going to start serving women with children by starting to serve pregnant women who are, who are battling their addiction. And uh, some in the congregation here helped uh, get that building ready over the summer. And so we're seeing the fruition of that. So just for God's direction, provision, and guidance as we step into that new season, because we, we believe this is a really important population to serve. Women who are battling addiction but also so they can keep their kids, so we can keep families together. That's going to change the trajectory of families and addiction in the future. That's really going upstream and making a change Amen. In, this, Amen. in this city and in this, um, the problem of addiction. Well, we're going to pray for you, and we also have a lantern here for oh, you, just you. as a reminder that this church loves you. Thank you. Is behind what you are doing. We believe that God brought you to Baltimore for such a time as this, and uh, you leading this uh, Helping Up mission is just going to be pivotal for our, our city's transformation. Would you stretch your hand towards Daniel and uh, join us in prayer? Father, we thank you for men and women that you raise up, men and women who are not shrinking back because the challenge is too big. Uh, they're not thinking about uh, how big the challenge is. They're thinking about how big their God is. And so, Lord, we just ask you to continue to guide Daniel. Would you put around him people who will serve well, who will serve with integrity, and who will serve with the goal in mind of people being spiritually transformed along with the, the other physical and needs being taken care of. So Lord, we bless he and Angela and their family. Favor them, prosper them, bless them in every way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, you see in the guide there, there's a lot of local ministries that we're partnering with. There are areas of our city that are hard uh, soil. 
to really uh, root the gospel into and to see fruit come. But that soil still needs worked. And so we uh, sponsor, we support um, uh, uh, several churches around our city on a monthly basis. You see that in the guide um, and some other organizations in our city meeting great needs. Uh, the future. We want to invest into Christian leaders, and so you'll see there are, are some education organizations where we're partnering to um, raise up and train future workers for the gospel, and we're just so thrilled about that. Many in the United States, but then you'll see Global University and the Sophia Bible College in Sophia, Bulgaria, uh, training up people uh, through uh, media, through some modern alternative methods of education all over the world to reach uh, those uh, places that are maybe, uh, they don't have access to a Bible college um, locally. And so we're so excited for what God's doing. You'll also see, when we consider our future, we consider vulnerable children and the needs that they have. And so we, we are uh, specifically investing into the lives of foster kids through Royal Family Kids Camp. Um, we are specifically investing in foster kids through For the Family and um, several other organizations. So I just thank you so much for your support uh, there. And um, we're excited to see what God does this year, globally, locally, and uh, for the future investment. How can you serve? How can you serve? Well, um, I want to tell you locally, we have Love Week coming up June 26th through 28th. It is going to be fantastic. We have uh, a bunch of new ministries and new partners that we're going to be serving with this year that we've never served before through Trinity. And so it's going to be a great time. What is Love Week? It is not just one department or one generation going out and doing some outreach. It's our whole church serving together from the youngest to the oldest. Um, We take buses all around our city and uh, we try to make a track for any age group to make an impact. It's a great time and we're going to be doing that at the end of June. So mark your calendars now. This is something you take off work for. This is a missions trip locally, and we want everybody to be a part of it this year. Um, And then also there's trips going out. We're going to pray over a team two weeks from now that's going to Guatemala. We're so excited to send them out. We got teams going to Sweden, to Brazil this year, and uh, we're so excited to see what God does through us as we go to lift up the church around the world. Um, Pastor George? Yeah, you can... uh... Uh, there's a map uh, that you can see in the booklet uh, showing wh- where we've been and where we support ministries. And over the, the last 25 years, just dozens of places where we've sent missions teams. Then the booklet we wanted to help you understand why we go. Why do we send? What, can't you just send money over? Or some people think, well, is this about American exceptionalism? Mm. No, it, it's about discipleship. Yeah. It's about going into all the world. It's about encouraging our missionaries who are working overseas and the, uh, the global workers there, or whether they're serving downtown. I can tell you people who are working downtown can have spiritual fatigue just as much as somebody working on the other side of the world. When you're in a spiritual battle, you need people who are coming alongside of you. And so we are uh, taking part in that spiritual battle. We want to, one of the goals that I've had for many years, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me state it, I'd love to see every teenager, every high schooler go on a missions trip before they graduate from high school. A missions experience. It's just amazing what can happen. You know, I think um, Jesus reminds us, he tells us, pray for the the Lord. The harvest is is ready, right? The harvest is is ready, but pray for workers. Man, I've been processing that for some weeks, just always thinking about that. How do I can't call somebody unless God calls somebody, and I understand that. But I also understand sometimes you need to put people in the place where they hear the call of God. They can be here and so involved in social media and everything that's going around and what college am I going to go to and all of these things. When you put them in a place of need and a place where they can minister, it's it's just amazing how how often people will hear the call of God on their life. It doesn't mean that they've got to go to be a missionary, but whatever God has called them to. So it's, uh, missions trips are a great place for people to really hear God's voice as they're thinking about their future and what God wants them to do. Amen. At the end of the project guide, you see some resources, Kingdom Builder resources. Uh, you see how to give. And I just want to challenge you. Several, uh, ma- many people, majority of the people at Trinity automate their giving. And if that's you, um, you might be like me where you automate your tithe and stuff like that. I want to challenge you. Automate some Kingdom Builders giving every month above and beyond your tithes. Um, it, it's just a great way to get in a regular schedule of compassion and, and over and above offerings. And um, Also, you'll see in there, there's a, a book. If you're like, hey, I want to think about this more. I, I want to be developed more in the area of generosity. There's a book you can get. You see it in the guide. 
You also see it at the mini store. Um, and then starting today at the mini store, you can pre-order our 2023 Kingdom Builders shirt. Uh, you'll see these all over the place. Our missions teams will be wearing them, and they're also going to be selling them in a fundraiser. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, get one of these. If it suits your style, we're going to be repping them quite a bit in 2023. Would you stand? God's been so good to us. I appreciate your, uh, your time today. This is important for us to consider uh, strategic giving. It's not the why we give, but it is the how we give, and we want you to understand it. Uh, and, and in this moment, I just want to pray that God would stir our hearts as we look to and celebrate him. Lord, I pray that you would use each and every one of us, Lord, in collective effort. Use us for collective impact. And in 2023 at Trinity, I pray that you would double our kingdom impact. You would maximize our kingdom impact. And God, it would be a time of such usefulness for you. Lord, that we would get, Father God, uh, the cheerfulness and joy flooding our soul by that act of worship, the act of love, giving, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us increase in generosity this year, Lord, in relationships, increase in generosity in the way we speak to one another, in our acts of service, in, in the affirmation we give, but God, also in our giving. Let us be known as givers. Thank you, Jesus, and God, receive our praise as we sing together. Let's sing.